Here's what you need to know. We're in a series right now called One Minute After You Die, and uh, this is week four. Week one, we talked about what happens the moment you take your final breath on earth, and what does that transition look like? And we talked about what the judgment, you know, it's, there's a lot of different theories out there, but based on what the scripture says, not based on what other religions say, but just the Bible, it says that it is appointed to every man once to die, and after that, they face judgment. And so we know that when we die, we stand before God, and there's a judgment. It's called uh, the, the, I don't know what it's called right now. The judgment seat of Christ. I'm hearing other people in my head right now. And so uh, the, the, it's not the judgment seat of Christ. It's the great throne judgment. That's what it is. And then there's a second judgment called the great throne judgment for all the believers based on every idle word that we've spoken in this life, which is really, really crazy. The week after that, we talked about um, a really uh, difficult subject for a lot of people to swallow. What does eternity in hell look like? And um, the Bible basically lays out two uh, scenarios. There is not a third. There is heaven and there is hell. And that is a really daunting uh, scenario. And uh, there was a lot of you guys that listened to that series. And uh, believe I, it was really powerful for me to remember that, that what eternity in hell really looks like is the absence of God. And um, we want to know the Lord. Last week, Will Doyle spoke, and uh, he was, uh, it was really good. I was like, man, I love, if anyone else ever wants to speak at church, you can just tell me about it, and I'll get you signed up. It'd be great. I liked it when other people speak, and I get to sit back and not stress out for a week. Will did fantastic last week talking about how to share your faith. And uh, we went and did Serve Sunday, which was pretty cool. This week, um, we are not going to do a Hosanna service. What is that called? Palm Sunday. We're not doing that, even though it's actually a really cool sermon. I like that a lot. We're going to finish this series, and then next week we're going to do Easter. We have a new series called The Great I Am. And so, anyways, I'm gonna, if you guys would all stand to your feet, I'm going to read a few verses to you. In doing this series, I got to let you know, um, it is really overwhelming to try to figure out how to put words to what is going to be the greatest place any of us has ever been to in our life. I've been to Telluride, Colorado before, and uh, it's really hard to put into words to people how glorious of a place it is. And with that being said, if you've been to somewhere awesome, it's really hard to come back and be like, you know what? Even if you have a photo, it doesn't, it just doesn't do what, it doesn't translate. So unfortunately for you, I have to describe the greatest thing in the world. And um, hopefully I can illustrate it for you. But I found a verse that kind of lets me off the hook a little bit, and I wanted to read it to you, and this is what the Apostle Paul said. He said this, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and mind has not imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Isn't that crazy? It doesn't matter how good of a job I tell you about what we know is going to happen. We simply could not understand it, imagine it, picture it, or hear it the good things that God has prepared for those who love him. That is awesome. Let me read you one more verse here. This is in John chapter 14. And Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled, friends. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. And if it weren't so, I would not have told you. But I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that where you are also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And then Doubting Thomas said, uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how, in fact, can we know the way? Jesus answered with the most epic words, I am the way. 
I am the truth and I am the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Lord Jesus, would you have your way in this place today? Amen. Woo-hoo. I'm like, man, I left it somewhere I know. All right, thank you. Uh, the first thing that I'm gonna try to do today is define to you what the place of heaven looks like with some details. Um, and the, the, apostle, the apostle John was on an island called Patmos and uh, he continually preached the gospel and he continually preached the gospel and he was old. He was the only apostle that wasn't martyred uh, the apostle John preached the gospel so much, they stoned him, they threw rocks at him, um, they, they tried boiling him in oil, and nothing could kill him. So they figured, in order to keep this guy from, from shutting his mouth, what we'll do is we'll just put him on an island where no one else lives, and uh, that will shut him up. In fact, that didn't shut him up, and instead what happened is he had the greatest encounter with God that any man had ever had on earth. And uh, to this day, we're still reading about it. What I love about that encounter that he had with God is it's so crazy that many of you, it's the one book in the Bible you don't even like to read because it's overwhelming. Um, And it's so overwhelming that John had an encounter with God that when it happened, he just fell on his face and started crying. And then he had to try to figure out how to put it in words. And so I have to try to explain what he didn't want to see, and he had a hard time writing. Does that make sense? Can you imagine how difficult this would be for you to tell me about your trip to Mexico and how great it was, and you're crying and stuttering the whole time, and now I have to try to repeat it to another audience how awesome that was. That's the beauty of what we're about to read today. Most of this is going to come from Revelations chapter 21, but we're going to bounce around a little bit. And uh, we're, I want to talk to you about just what the outside of the walls look like. If you have your phones on you and you want to Google while I'm, while I'm reading, there's a few things that he continually does. He talks about these stones and these emeralds. You have to remember that 2,000 years ago when John has this revelation, uh, they've, never, um, they've never seen fireworks on display. They've also never seen um, the, the movie Avatar. They've, they've never seen crazy illustrated colors like we know now today. And so when he sees something that is awe-inspiring, he has no words to define it, but to use things that they know was, that was glorious. So he's using these emeralds and these stones, and some of them he may have never even seen before, but he's, he's trying to use his illustration. And so he, he's going to say uh, Tobaz several times. He's going to say emeralds so, several times. He's going to say sapphires several times. And he's, some, some of the stones he's just repeating because he's like, this is kind of what it, what it looked like. It was just glorious. I love it. I love it. I love it. I have to jump into this here. And uh, so Revelations chapter 21, it starts off by saying this in verse 22. Where am I at? That's not true. Verses 1... Where, Revelation 21, 18 and 19. The walls were made of jasper, and the city was pure gold and as clear as glass. Now, I don't even know if he knows how to like 
say it was pure gold. I, I, I Googled uh, some, I was going to try to put some images on the screen for you, uh, but I realized it would maybe just be distracting. But uh, they, I Googled some images of what streets of gold could look like. And uh, in England, someone made um, uh, bricks of gold and they created a small street and it looked pretty neat. But I love that in heaven, what we find to be of the greatest commodity and the greatest wealth is common to the point where we walk on it as if it's nothing. And that is pretty neat. In verse 19, he would say this, the walls were, uh, the walls were of the city were built on a foundation of stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. So it was a wall made of jasper, but it had 12 stones built into it of all these extravagant different kinds of stones and colors marveled through it. And these are the walls around the city in heaven. Are you with me? The 12 gates were made of pearls and each gate was made from one single pearl. And he says again, and the main street was pure gold and as clear as glass. I love this. The, each gate was one gorgeous, glorious pearl. It wasn't, in fact, a pearl. He was trying to find a word that he can translate from what little understanding he had of things that were so visually stunning to him uh, that he could bring it back to uh, a place that we can understand. I'm going to read uh, to you Revelation 21, same chapter, but verses 1 through 3. And he says this, he says, Then I saw heaven. Now, it's important that you understand that going back to week 1, there is the, uh, the great throne judgment where he will separate, according to Scripture, according to the Bible, he will separate everyone whether they're going to heaven and to hell. After this, there will be another judgment that will come. We don't know if it's right away, instantly, or after, but we do know that after this judgment comes, uh, there, this is when God places us with our reward in what is going to be our new paradise. And what he says is that this is when he rebuilds earth for us in chapter 21. He says, and then I saw the new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride. This is so glorious, man. Prepared as a bride beautifully, dressed for her husband. Now, I don't know about any of you, but I cried like a schoolgirl when I saw my wife walk down an aisle. And it was one of the most glorious things in the world. And what he's saying is, when Jesus said earlier in John 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm leaving to go make something for you. He's been working on it for 2,000 years so far. And one day, you're going to see the new heaven come down to earth as a bride is addressed for her groom. That is a beautiful thing. That'll be a beautiful, glorious moment. And, and he says, uh, and then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be with, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. It's in this moment that many of us have heard stories or scenarios where we get to throw our arms around Jesus or we walk with him and we have moments with him. It will be in the new Jerusalem that he will be among us 
and he will live among us just like Jesus did when he walked the earth 2,000 years ago. And it's in these moments that we'll be have these radical moments where we say, thank you, Jesus. You made all the difference to me. You're my friend. And we'll have moments because there's an eternity that awaits us where we can hang out with Jesus. And I don't, I can't wait to hear his humor, you know, and the, and uh, some of this, I have weird thoughts about that. I'm going to go away from that point. <laughs> but this will be, in my opinion, one of the most emotional moments for me because it will be the moment where he'll be with me and I'll walk with God like Enoch walked with God or Noah walked with God or the disciples walked with God. And this will be a special moment when God will be among us and we will be his people. Does that make sense? So in the first point, I'm, I'm talking to you today about the place of heaven and how some of those glorious things that's happening here. He is making a new heavens and a new earth. And in that, he is giving us the, the new Jerusalem as a bride is addressed for his groom. And there's beautiful walls and beautiful streets and glorious things happening all around. Does that make sense? The next thing you need to know. Truth, a few truths about heaven. Um, I, I've, I've researched this quite a bit, and uh, uh, the most intelligent answer that I found is uh, Billy Graham was asked uh, multiple times throughout his life, but last year in February, prior to him passing, he answered something online, and his, his account was, was scripted, and uh, they asked him, they said, hey, will we know our loved ones in heaven? And I think this is a question that many of us must have, right? Well, it's important for you to know throughout Scripture that, um, well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 25. I'm going to read this. I read it to you a few weeks ago, and this is another place in Corinthians and in Philippians. But we grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Does everyone get that? We will not be spirits without bodies. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 25. And he says, uh, he says, for while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these bodies will be swallowed up by life. Uh, for God himself, verse 5, for God himself prepared us for this. For God himself prepared us for this as he has given us a guarantee of his Holy Spirit as to what's to come. It's important for you to understand that God has prepared you a new body and he is preparing you a whole new identity in heaven. Now, it doesn't mean that you will not know your loved ones. I'm going back to that question. Will we know our loved ones? Billy Graham said it best. He said um, that he does believe in fact that we will recognize our loved ones, but I don't think that we'll know them as we know you now. He said it this way. He said that when many of the disciples after Jesus' death didn't recognize Jesus instantly, it, but he did in fact recognize him after he began talking and said, oh, I know who this person is. The other thing is when, when um, Jesus, uh, there was a moment where Jesus was praying and Elijah and Moses came down from heaven and the disciples knew who they were, but they never met Moses and Elijah before. And so, it, it, it's, and so how do you know someone? I think that there's going to be a knowledge of who we are. But Billy Graham said it this way. He said, if, if we're looking to heaven for our loved ones, friends, 
we have the wrong idea of what we're looking for in heaven. And I thought that was very, um, very true and very accurate. But there are people today that have loved ones that you miss and greatly desire to see again. And I, I want I want to encourage you, you may see them again. However, it's most important that you understand that heaven is not about your loved ones. We'll come back around to that in a minute. Another truth that I found about heaven that I thought was so, so powerful is in Revelations chapter 21 again, verse 4. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you there. And I just thought this was so appropriate that we understand this. Verse 4, he says this, And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more pain and no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. For all of these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to them, write down uh, this. Um, for this is trustworthy and true. He says, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he says this. He says, all who are victorious will inherit all of the blessings. For I will be their God and they will be my children. But it's important that we understand that he will wipe away every tear, every pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more death. There, there will be no more mourning. And as I thought about that, I thought about that, I thought about that, there's some things that I want to remind you today. The scripture says in, in 1 Peter that our citizenship is not here on this earth. And so there are momentary pains that you are walking through right now. There is no different. If, 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 if Jesus himself had to endure pain before him, why would it be any different for us not to? The sorrows that we have to endure are creating a righteousness and a standard setting in our hearts that we would live in a godly way. But there is coming a day where there will be no more pain. And so I thought about a few of these things. One day, there will be no more cancer. One day, there will be no more back pains or sorrows. We won't cry or weep for loved ones anymore. There will be no more sickness, no more coughs, no more runny nose, fear, will be gone. We won't know what it's like to be afraid to be alone in our house or the afraid of being alone for the rest of our life. We won't know stress or anxiety. Sleepless nights will be gone. Betrayal, abuse, and heartache will all be gone for us and there will be no more divorce. Disease and violence will be gone. Any kind of injustices that we see in the earth today We'll all be reconciled and there will be no more racism for we'll be surrounded with all different tongues, nations, colors, sizes. It'll be a glorious moment. I thought of some that are, that are kind of funny. There will be no more bathroom calls in the middle of the night, you know? It's the worst. <laughs> there will be no more bad breath, no more Monday mornings. And that time of the month, it'll be gone for everyone. Can I get a Hallelujah. Everyone will be done with that time of the month. <laughs> Praise the Lord. For Jesus says that I am making everything new. You have to hear this. This is the words of our Savior and the words of, those, of him that gives life. He said, I am making everything new. I am making your body new. I am making this earth new. I am making this heaven new. 
And then he says this in Revelations chapter 21 also, verses 23 through 27. He says, I, I, I saw no temple in the city. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And, and the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in the light, and the kings of the world will enter into the city with all of their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no more night there. That's a glorious, glorious, glorious thought. He says, nothing evil will ever be allowed to enter, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I love, 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 love this. And so this is what heaven will be like. These are some simple facts about it. There is no more pain or suffering. Uh, uh, truth, there's, it is going to be made of glorious colors and there's glorious things happening. There's feasts, there's food in heaven. Turns out there are some animals in heaven. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if all dogs go to heaven but I do know that there are horses in heaven because Jesus is coming back riding on a, a white horse. So I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say there's puppies in heaven. There's no cats, though. Just want to let you know, all you cat lovers, no cats in heaven. Um, just puppies. Yeah, not even big ones, just the little ones. That like when they chew on your finger, it's like cute and, and their beds are bad. Um, here's my third point that I think is important that I, I, we have to kind of zone in on and we're going to go back into a time of worship here. After these things, I looked. Try, try to stay in with me, because listen, this is so hard to illustrate these things to you. I know there's a lot of questions. I don't even know if I'm answering the questions you have, but I tried to just filter through everything that I could find throughout the scriptures. I literally went through the New Testament to find anything about the heaven, and uh, I wanted to kind of narrow it down to what was most important. So it is a glorious place, and it's prepared for those that love him, um, and there's going to be glorious things there. But here's what I wanted you, I believe, was the main highlight. In Revelations chapter 4, you got to zero in your mind on this. After these things I looked, and behold, a door was standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me. Now, I love that he's using words to try to define these things. It says that this dude's voice sounded like a trumpet standing behind him. <laughs> that is absolutely terrifying. Like, can you imagine? Oh, man. Speaking to me saying, come up here. I want to show you things which you must take place after this. And the moment that God says, come up here, how glorious that would be. Immediately, I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven. And the one that sat on the throne, he, he was, he was, he who sat on the throne, he was like a jasper or, or a side of stone in, in appearance. And there was, there was this great rainbow that showed around him in appearance, uh, uh, kind of like an emerald. And, 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 then he, and then he goes on to say this in, in verse 10. For I was in the spirit in the Lord's day, and, I, I, and this is chapter 1, and I, I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha, and I am the Omega, I am the first, and I am the last. And then I turned to see the voice of the one that spoke to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands was one like the Son of Man, clothed in a garment down to his feet and girded to his chest in this golden band. His hair and his head were as white as wool and, and, and as white as snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. 
His feet were like fine brass and as refined in a furnace. And his voice had the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven hands and out of his mouth went a double-edged sword and his countenance was like the shine was like the sun shining in its strength. Can you imagine? You turn to look at someone who's girded. He's got these glorious hair. It's just white, 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 beautiful, pristine white. He's got this glorious sash on, but in his eyes, there's a fire in his countenance. It looks like you can't look at him because it's like staring into the sun. He laid his hand, his right hand on me saying, don't be afraid. Yeah, right. His voice sounds like the ocean. No, I'm not afraid. For I am the first and I'm the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I have the keys to hell and death. I think there is many things that we need to know about heaven there is one thing that I think is most important. I think heaven is a place we all want to go to because we have heard that heaven is going to be great. And so people have created many different doctrines of what heaven is supposed to look like. But based on all of the study and about 25 hours of research about this one stinking subject, I have found one truth. Heaven is not about you or your pleasure. Heaven is going to be about a man named Jesus who shines like the sun. And everything is going to exist because of him. There's going to be no darkness, no, no night, because he exists there, and we all live around him. And I think there are many people that would like to hear of a paradise where things are built and designed for them. And Jesus is designing things for you. I think it will be a place of great pleasure. But the pleasure is going to be knowing him. And the problem is, is that many of us don't know him, but want to visit this place called heaven. And I think that we don't know what it is we're looking for. And I think all of the scripture can be summed up in one verse that Jesus said right before he went to the cross in John chapter 17, verse three. And he, Jesus said this in third person. He said, and this is all of eternity, of, of all of eternity, this is eternal life, that they may know you, Lord, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Eternity is this. Heaven is this. There was a glorious one that sits on the throne. And because of him, those that love him will never know pain again. If we're imagining a place that isn't excited about seeing him, we're creating our own. And we may be disappointed. From what I understand that heaven is reserved for those who have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. I think it's going to be the most glorious thing in the world because he'll be revealed. We'll know what, it, what the voice sounds like that sounds like many oceans. We'll know what it looks like to look in the eyes of him. It looks like we're staring at the sun. And we'll know the strength of his right hand and the power. And he has many, many rewards for us. But just for a moment... You guys can just stay seated if you'd like. And if this 
causes you to stand, then you can stand. But I think that it's important that we understand what happens one minute after we die. There's a judgment followed by a reward, followed by a paradise with a man named Jesus. Jesus. 